I want to ask you a question. Have you ever in your life been at a place either um, uh, by your own choosing or by somebody else's choosing, you've had a situation where you felt like you need, really needed to start doing something or you really needed to stop doing something? Anybody ever been there before? Like, I got to start this today or I got to stop this today. And so we then, in that point, many times we make declarations and we say, I'll never do that again. <laughs> or I'm going to start doing this tomorrow. <laughs> I'll begin tomorrow. We, we, we use those things. And so we'll make these declarations only to find out in our own strength many times by the next day you're going, now what was that I declared yesterday? I declare I can't remember or I declare I've already let that go. I want just to think about that here uh, today on this very special day. Declarations are simply this. It's, it's this. It's the act of declaring a positive explicit or formal statement. It's like, I'm going to do it. Something that is announced or proclaimed. It's something you say, verbalize, or it's something in the case we're celebrating during this week, a document embodying or displaying an announcement or proclamation. We are celebrating this week, July 4th. It comes up every year. Some people don't even know what it represents. It represents to many people as hot dogs and hamburgers and some other beverages and stuff. Um, we'll just leave it there. But, but it is a time where we celebrate a group of men that came together and said, I'm tired of being ruled by somebody that has, does not have my best in mind. I'm tired of allowing somebody to take control of my life and don't even care about what goes on in my life. And that's what it is. Maybe this sounds familiar or resonates with some of you. It's the second paragraph in the Declaration of Independence. This group of men said, we hold these, what's that word? Truths. It's a truth. It's not a fact. It's a truth. Fact always describes the present state of things. Truth goes on and on and on. And so they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Only the fact is they're not self-evident because many people get caught up in things and things get caught up in them and it's not that they begin to give over themselves to other things. And it says they determined, hey, we hold them to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that's gender neutral, not specific, not just men, mankind. Every person was created equal that they are endowed who? By their what? By men? by somebody else, by their creator, with certain unalienable rights that among these are, among them, that's, they didn't do an exhaustive lift, among them are life. Man, if that doesn't ring, ring true, if they came back today, if our forefathers came back today, they'd turn over and they'd die because of what we thought life meant and that we could take life. And it says this, we have the right to life. And also... The right what? To liberty, freedom, and, now this is a key one here, the pursuit of happiness. Let, let me encourage you with that one. 
It doesn't guarantee happiness. Our forefathers would say, hey, we're here to make you happy. <laughs> we're here to give you the freedom to be able to go on a journey to say, hey, I want to give you the ability to take your gifts and talents that God instilled in you and to use those not only for yourself, not for your own good, but for the good of everybody around you. And that's what it says. That, here it is, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men for what? Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, it's never a point where they're to tell us, it's literally to listen. That's why we have this, this nation is... Uh, envied by by nations all over the greatest nation. They're going, I want to get here. You don't see many people fighting to get into another nation. They're going, I'm, I'm, I'm going in there and I'm, I'm going to do it. It literally, they're saying, because of the blessings of God on this nation, God has said, I mean, he, he his people, these group of men who loved him and were called him, trying to uh, leave spiritual oppression, leaving financial oppression, leaving emotional, they said, we're going to seek God and form a nation that gives us the ability to do the same. Now, when I think about this, I think that that is great that happened over 200 years ago, but today, in 2019, how does that affect me? How am I doing right here today? I want to say to us, every one of us have challenges still today. Physical challenges, spiritual challenges, emotional challenges, and I want to say this, I don't think it's... um. That is simply anybody's eliminated or, 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 or uh, they, they all, we all have them. What makes some people thrive under them and what makes some people fold under them? When situations come, there are times where people in the midst of the worst adversity, they, many times they, they begin to shrink back and others begin to come forward. What causes that? I believe it's this. I don't believe it's simply what, what, what comes at us. I believe it's this. I believe it's not uh, what I do. I believe it's more how I think about what happens. In, in here, I settle it in here before anything happens out here. And I believe that the same thing happened with our, the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. I don't believe as they sat there thinking in Philadelphia, they weren't sitting there thinking about, well, they ain't going to like this. <laughs> They weren't thinking about how it wouldn't work. They weren't thinking about all the things that could happen. They were thinking about one thing, freedom, that, Lord, you called us to freedom. And I believe that because of their stance, because of, by the way, all at that point on July 4th, you and I both know it was simply a signature on a document. Now, there have been some shots fired early because of the acts and taxation and other things. But this was simply at that point a signature, and they said, this is it. They read it, they, and, and, and it wasn't all signed there. Many of them, a lot of it was August 2nd, if you go do some history. And by the way, I am not the history buff. Let me go ahead and tell you that. I, I love those that are. My most favorite one is now in heaven. Uh, Mr. Rodney Downey was my favorite. He, you, hours. He could sit there, and, and I could just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have had a show. But anyhow... I do know this, that these men, and not only them, but the men and women since then have donned the uniform of our armed services, have said, you know what? 
by God's grace, we're going to continue to maintain the freedom that, first of all, they, Jesus purchased for us 2,000 years ago, but even the freedom to seek Him today, amen, without oppression. And so, I believe that they were convinced in their hearts and minds what needed to happen, and then were willing to take the risk and risk everything to see it happen. Now, what I mentioned a little while ago about making those declarations, one times it, 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 in times it always comes into, what is it going to cost me? Because when we begin to make those declarations, there's got to be actions that begin to follow. But it all starts right here. And I believe this, your thoughts and my thoughts are more important than we ever give them credit for. They're more important inside. Everything that happens starts in here. And so I've got this up here. Here's what I thought. Our declarations are formed by our words. Okay? Our words are formed by our thoughts. And I want to say our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So whatever is grabbing a hold or whatever seems to take precedence in my mind is where my life is going to go. And there's a verse that I... That I've studied and I love it. It's in Romans chapter 8. And I want to share it with you this morning because it's powerful in this. Those, look what, look what um, Paul writes to the church in Rome. And he said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, the flesh, it says this. What do they think about? Sinful things. They just think about it. Now look, before y'all get, you know, some of y'all are like, ooh. <laughs> what happens is we have a sin nature. That wants to do its own thing. Everybody has it. Everybody's born with it. And it says, if I allow that, and I just, I let it dominate and rule me, that's what I'll keep thinking about. I think about simple things. But it goes on to say, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, what do they think about? Things that please the Spirit of God. It goes on to say, in verse 7, I mean 6, so letting... Your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, this is what's powerful in this. We've got choices we have to make, and it all starts right here. It starts with, Lord, what am I going to allow my mind to dwell on? What things in me, because we all have inner dialogues. And let me say this. We live most of our life right here between these two things right here called our ears. <laughs> we live most of our life. Think about how many times you think about it. I'm going to go ahead and get real, real with you here. How many have ever sat down with your phone, you pulled it out, and you started to text somebody? And you went, yeah, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not going to work. Let me go ahead. No, that's not going to work. I got it. Okay, let me text it. Oh, no, I can't text that. And you end up spending what should be just, hey, yeah, great. It ends up being a a 15-minute conversation with yourself what to send to somebody else. You you go over that over and over. Or how you respond to a situation. A lot of our mind, a lot of our life is spent right here before anything ever happens out here. And so what happens is many times, if we're not careful, we'll have self-condemning thoughts that we allow to resonate over and over and over. It's like a recording in our mind. And it tells us what we can't do, why we can't do it, 
who we are. It tries to label us and it tries to tell us these things. And if we're not careful, we just let it play over. It, it's like we're asleep and we're just like, yeah, I'm no good. Yeah, I'll never be anything. Yeah, I can't do that. No, nope, I'm not going to make Yeah. And we begin to tell ourselves over and over why something won't work. Instead of saying God's truth. Um, and let me ask you something. Ask yourself and be real for a second. When you're by yourself and you're not in a church service and you're not worshiping the Lord and it's all you, where does your mind run to? Is it, is it a thing like I know a lot of people, they like to click the radio on in the car and it lets them, it just takes your mind wherever you want it to. And if you're country, you know, you get, you, you, you throw on some country music and you start losing your, your house and your, your dog and your wife, you start, you, you start, it takes you over there. It's like, it starts taking you all over the place. So, or, you know, you, you, you know, you like any, anytime you can name it, it'll take you anywhere you want it to go. But we have choices to say, look, I don't want my mind to go there. I want my mind to stay steadfast on God. Lord, what are you saying? And, and what do you think? I don't need help trying to think worse about myself. Let me give you two different sets of internal thoughts. Does this re- resonate true with you? Uh, my God is always with me. My life matters. I can make a difference. My mind and my spirit are at peace. Uh, I've got divine energy for today. I am ready to go. It is a, it's an amazing day and I'm ready to go. Or is it, Lord, I'm tired. I need some coffee. <laughs> you, you wake up and the first thing that comes to mind is that pot on some of y'all. Now I'm not going to mention any names, but y'all got a timer on that thing. You set it the night before expecting I'm going to need that. And so you click the button. It's like, oh yeah. I'm going to make it just because that smell comes through the house. Or um, you might be sitting, for those who have little ones, let's be honest, we're beyond that. But since this, uh, our wonderful executive pastors in Paris and, and over there, we've had a little bundle of energy that he wakes up in the morning at, you know, about 730. Like, now he is sweet as he can be, our little Oliver, sweet as he can be. But he starts going, it's like, okay, it's time. Let's go play cards. Let's go. Let's go. And you're like, huh? Okay, let's let's go move it and, and goes all day long, even into the night. And I, I had to ask a question. I'm like, son, how do y'all put him to bed? <laughs> I know how we put y'all to bed, but how do you put him to bed? Because I thought G. Paul would get a little sugar and a little thing, so I'm sitting in the bed with him. We put him down at 7:30, like they said. We're trying to keep schedules, and some of y'all go, "That's a miracle." 7:30, yeah, we tried. And so I'm sitting there with him, and he's like. I made a mistake. My wife corrected me. You let him have a fire truck? Because he kept talking about the fire truck. He had a fire truck. And I'm like, and the next thing I know, he's like, and I'm sitting there. I started to doze off. I'm like, Oliver, I'm tired, man. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> it's a matter of where you kind of wonder, okay, what did I do again? Where am I at? Or we can think, I've got too much to do. I don't have enough time to do it. I need an extra day. Anybody ever got that? We've got a sign. I need a day between Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you know, I just need that one. How about this one? People make me crazy. <laughs> Life can be overwhelming. Are those two thoughts, which one kind of resonates with you? Because if our life's moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, you got to ask yourself, are you excited in the direction your life's moving? And if not, something 
has to change. I want to be very honest with you. It's been a year since I took over as senior pastor. Can I be very blunt, honest? Well, thank you. I didn't. Let let me tell you. Praise God. Thank you. Let let me finish before you clap. (laughs) Can I confess? (laughs) I was youth pastor, y'all, for 26 years. And there's still today youth in my heart. There's not a there's not a day goes by, there's not a young person alive that I wouldn't lay down my life for, and, and I'll do everything I can to see them make it. I didn't see young people. I saw men and women. I saw husbands and wives. I saw people that could make a difference, and I poured into them. But I want to tell you something. I had one sphere I had to be responsible for, <laughs> and it was fun. It was exciting, and it, I won't say it's easy because you get those, you know, midnight cry. <laughs> And you get those texts, you know, the phones are not a good thing because that's when the enemy works at night. But uh, anyhow, when I said yes, I was like, I didn't realize what I said yes to. You ever did that? You remember? Okay, let me help you. Those who've gotten married, you said yes, and then you realize what you said yes to. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. You go, yeah, I do. Oh, I do. I mean, I really, <laughs> okay. That's when you by faith say, I do, I do, I do. And so it's choices. And so those thoughts, this is what came up. There were things in me. I mean, to this day, there's never been a moment or thought where I've regretted any part of making that decision. But there have been challenges where I had to change, where I'm no longer just a youth pastor responsible for young people. Now I'm a pastor responsible for a bunch of young people. The reason I say that is because we don't ever really grow up. (laughs) We do, by God's grace. But we have to change. There are things that have to change. If we're not careful, we can get overwhelmed by life. And this is where it all starts in here. And so we have to change our thinking. This is what Romans 12, 2 says of this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, let God, let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. And only then, then and only then, you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so there was a uh, a saying, I was I was in Jacksonville a few weeks ago and I was been writing down and preparing for this morning back then and and I, uh, I do labs in Mayo, and there's a little place down there called the Village Cafe. Many people, you would never know where it is. It's on Phillips Highway in Emerson, and y'all don't know where that is, but still. It's a place I discovered a, a good years back, and it, they, they serve the best bacon and eggs and grits and toast. They make their own bread, and uh, it's a great place to go eat. They're all, it's owned by believers. Now, there's a Denny's right by there. There's a number of places I can go eat, but I discovered this, and I love to go in there. Beautiful atmosphere. But on the wall a few weeks ago, I noticed they, they moved into a new place since the last time I'd been there. And it said, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And I thought, that's good, but that's not exactly true. It, it, Chuck Swindoll, I think, came up with it. But here's what I think is even more important. Life isn't so much about what happens to you, but how you think about what happens to you, what happens to me. Look, all of us have stuff that go on in us. And how I look at it will determine how I respond to it. 
how I think about it. Like when things don't go my way, am I saying that, God, you're doing something amazing in my life. Even through this, you're going to receive glory. Even through this, you're working for my good. Or do we go, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? Why? Must we, if we're not careful, we just, why, 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 why? I said, Lord, thank you that even though I don't understand what you're doing, I know you're working in this and for this, for my good and for your glory. And that's why it's important for us to take control of our thoughts. This is what it says. This is a life one for me as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world, that's right here, this physical world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons, uh uh-oh, we're getting a weaponry here. The weapons of our warfare, what? The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everybody say divine power. (laughs) To demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? You know, this word, it's funny, but if you look it up um, in uh, in the original Greek, it's one of those words, it's called achiroma. And what it is, is anything... On which we one relies. It can be a stronghold. It's like I need this in order to be satisfied. Like some of us in here, not going to mention any names again. Like I need chocolate in order to survive. Don't be, don't be hate, Mark. You know that. <laughs> or I need coffee in order to survive. Or I need this in order to survive. And uh, the the better definition is this: um, a stronghold is a prisoner locked up by deception. To deceive that somehow this is, I I can't get out of here. And so we just sit there week after week, month after month, year after year going, well, this is just who I am. This is just my lot in life. It happened with the children of Israel. They'd have been in bondage for 400 years until God raised up Moses to come and say, hey, guys, you don't have to stay here. (laughs) You don't have to stay here. God wants you out of here. And they got mad at him. How dare you? You're making it rough on us. Let us stay here. Matter of fact, when he pulled them out because of God's tremendous acts, he pulls them out of Egypt. And what happened when they get out there and things got rough? Every time things got rough, what do they want to do? Let's go back. Can I just go back? The same thing happens in our lives if we're not careful. We keep wanting to go back. And God's saying, I want you to demolish those. That's why he says in in verse 4, he says, we demolish, verse 5, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love what uh, the New Living Translation says. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Like, I got to teach it. Like, these things that come at me, I'm like, oh, no. Like, when doubt begins to rise up inside me and it begins to say, you can't do it. These rebellious thoughts. I got I to gotta say sometime, flesh, shut up. <laughs> this, the, the desires in me, this flesh, sometimes can be much stronger than the desires God has for me. And I'm going to give in to one of those. One of them I'm going to surrender to. And I got to determine which one that is. I get to do that by the power of Christ. I get to tear those things down. So when, when something comes at me, I'm going to say, oh, no, you don't. Doubt. You don't get to be here. I'm taking it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it captive. You don't get to stay here. Fear. You don't get to stay here. You don't get any part of me. Lust. No part in here. 
lying no part in here. It does not get to stay. And so I want to ask you a question. What negative thoughts happen to be dominating my thinking or your thinking? What, what negative thoughts seem to be playing or seem to go around your head and tell you lies about yourself? Because that's all it is, is deception. Because God did not create you to be defeated. He created each one of us to live in victory. Do we tell ourselves it can't be done? I'm not good enough. And many times we look at people around us and we base our life going, well, I don't have as much money as they do, so I'm not as good as they are. Or, or somebody always outshines us in an area. Like, you know, you can show up to an event and, and you just bring your best. Like, the best thing you could do is go buy something and, and bring it so everybody will be happy. Or, and then there's this person that shows up with this beautiful, homemade, delicious dessert. And you're going, oh, yeah, well, I'm not any good. They, they've got that down. We, many times we compare ourselves or we tell ourselves, I'm undisciplined. I can't get ahead. We struggle with our weight. I can't lose this weight. And you go, really? We, we can't do that? Or we tell people, we tell ourselves, uh, I'm really not that great. I'm an average student. Average in some things. Let me say this, that, uh, you know, one thing that I've realized is with people is there, nobody's good at everything. There's certain areas that God's wired you for, and that's why you, you always want to work from that place. Like some of you have told yourself, I can't do math. I can't learn math. You, or I don't, I don't do science. And you, so once you say that, you figure it out. You may not ever be the best at it, but you can do it. You may not be the 100%, but you can do it. Okay, so let me ask you this. Here's another one. This is also a lie. I'm never enough. I'll never be good enough. Everybody had that one? This is another one. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I guess I'll what? <laughs> okay, worms come in there somehow. I don't know where that song came from. I was preparing this. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know who came up with it or where that came from. I'm going to go eat worms because nobody likes me. Wow. But we can do that. Here's what has to happen. Let me ask you this. What spiritual truth will demolish my stronghold? In other words, what, do, what am I hanging on and what am I believing God when those thoughts come at me, what am I using to demolish those exact things that come at me? How about things that, that you want to begin to declare that, look, I have everything I need in Jesus Christ. That I can do how many things? All things through who? Who does what? He strengthens me. I don't have to rely on my own self. I rely on Him. I spend more time yielding myself and surrendering myself and declaring how good he is instead of how good I am. What he can do instead of what I can do. And so I want to challenge you, if you're worried all the time, I have to say, I'm not anxious. You know why? Because I cast all my cares on who? On him. Because why? He cares for me. Many people don't understand that Jesus does love you. He's not just up in heaven ignoring or going, eh, yeah, he is intimately aware of everything, every struggle, every failure, everything we go through. And he's wanting, desiring for his life to be released in and through us. So he cares for us. Uh, many people struggle with the will of God. You don't have the will of God. It's real simple. Every day I determine, Lord, you're the one. My life belongs to you. It's not mine. I want to accomplish your will, not my will. You direct my steps. I know his voice and he leads me. How about confidence? Anybody ever struggle with that? Let me say this. Your confidence isn't in you. It's in him. 
our confidence in Him and what He's doing and what He's done. Because the Spirit lives in me, I can do this. And then how about this one? Anybody ever been inconsistent with their time with the Lord? Besides me? You get up and you got to get going. You wake up and the first thing in your mind is what you got to get do what you got to get done for that day. I, 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 I want to challenge you that if we're going to be successful, we have to change the way we think. It's kind of like this. Do you know that more wrecks happen over in England and over in foreign countries where they drive what I like to call on the wrong side of the road? When foreigners go over there, they're in this mindset that we drive on the right side of the road. And they're like, no, you don't. We drive on the left side. And what happens is in our mind, it's naturally engrafted. And so when you get tired or something, you just naturally get in the thing. And it's like, head on, because you're in a different place. That's not how you're supposed to think. What happens is the same thing. When we come to Christ, our natural sinful nature is what we've relied on and listened to for so long. It's time, no matter how long we've been with Christ that we've got to continually break barriers and we've got to continually allow His life to be lived in and through us and allow His thoughts to become our thoughts. Just like when you've been over somewhere and they drive for so long, it becomes second nature to you. You come back over here, you've got to worry about, uh-oh, I'm on the wrong side of the road again. It can be that way because you're so engrafted. The same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. that It gets so engrafted and ingrained with us that, Lord, my thoughts become your thoughts. My strength is your strength. And so it's renewing this mind. And this is how it happens. One is putting God first, making declaration. I want to do this. I've asked the men if they would pass out these uh, declarations. These are some personal declarations I think everybody should make on a, on a daily basis. Now, I've come up with these. Uh, actually, I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I Googled some and I came up with some and I said, hey, let's put a list together. And so let's go over these. We're not going to go over everyone. These are given to you to take home with you. And what I want you to think about is what, what are you living and are you happy with it? Or are you decided that, hey, I'm not going to let these strongholds stay in my life. I'm going to make these declarations that, look, I'm going to put God first. That some of my personal ones are this. The things that have carried me, the number one that's carried me through this last year is this. That, God, you're better than I can ever give you credit for. God, you're better than I can ever give you credit for. And, God, you're more for me than I am for myself. That, God, your love is everlasting and never changes. That your love for me and your desire to empower me is more than my desire to be empowered by you. My desire to follow your will, Lord, it, it, it's greater. You, you want it even more than I do. Making some of the declarations that, Jesus, you're first in my life. And that means that sometimes you got to keep saying it until it becomes, you're right. It's truth. I believe that. That my life always, when things go wrong, I'm always going towards him. Here's a, here's a litmus test for you that I like to use. When you stub your toe, when you hit your finger, <laughs> when, you, when you get hit in the shin, <laughs> what comes out? <laughs> what have you trained yourself to say or do? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to share that in church this morning, but I'm just saying to you, 
There are things that you can train yourself to say, you know what? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You go, hold it. How can you say thank you, Jesus? Because of one thing. It it doesn't feel good right now, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to say thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and start at the beginning instead of wait until it gets better. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and say, thank you, Jesus. You step, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is going to work for my good somehow. I don't even know how, but it's going to work for my good and it's going to work for your glory. And so these are things that we need to do. And, and by the way, as we close, we're going to partake talking about declarations. I, I just want to go over this real quickly about the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. And I did pull this offline and it I searched it out. I didn't just take the first one. We know that that's not wise to do. <laughs> there are people that have opinions that will put stuff out. Here, here's what happened. This is just truth what happened. We celebrate July 4th because that was the day the Declaration of Independence was signed. Thirteen colonies, New Englanders, wanted freedom from Great Britain. They were tired of heavy ruling hand of the king and all the bureaucrats. They didn't want anyone telling them how to live, how to spend their money, how they were to serve God. They wanted freedom. They wanted liberty. They wanted to be independent. But what did that freedom cost them? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships um, of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers, large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKeon was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served the Congress without pay, and his family, which that would be, hey, Jesus, come on, uh, And his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson, Jr. noticed that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. He quietly urged General George Washington to open fire because that's where he was. Um, uh, um, George Washington opened fire. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The The enemy jailed his wife and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year... He lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifice 
sacrifices of the American Revolution, these were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. Standing tall, straight, and unwavering, they pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence. We mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. They gave you and me a freedom and an independent America. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Now, now, let me ask you something. What is it costing us? When we talk about making declarations, those that you have in your hand, it's going to cost you something. Something's going to have to stop in order for something else to begin. You've got to make that decision. I have to make that decision. What are we willing to pay? I'm telling you, it, whatever you pay, you will never regret for the results you'll get. You will never, anything you give to the Lord, I promise you, He will multiply. He will, you will, it may seem hard at first, but in the end, God's going to restore and renew. I know in this room there are people that have needs, and we're here to pray for you, and we'll be available up here at the front. And uh, we encourage you, if you have a need, don't leave without having someone to agree with you in prayer. But I want to leave you with this thought that our declarations will determine where we go. And so if we're not declaring God's word over our life, then, it will de- then, then our own life, don't be surprised when our life is subpar to what we feel like it should be. God incredibly... He loves to give us His presence. He does that not on our goodness, but on His goodness. He does it because of how good He is, not how good we are. And if you're thinking you'll receive something from God because of how good you are, it'll never happen. It's always based on how good He is. And He loves to do it. And so I want you to, whatever thoughts you have that, you know, God doesn't want me or, you know, I'm too far or I've done too much or I... I can't accomplish that. I, wanna, I want you to erase that. And I've given you those things. You begin to declare the Word of God over your life. You begin to declare that over your mind. And you begin to say, every day, I belong to the Lord. He belongs to me. God, you're for me. You're not against me. Lord, you want to see me make it more than I want to see me make it. Lord, you're for me and not against me. You begin to declare that over your life. Declare it over your children. Declare it over your spouse. Declare it over your business. You begin to declare the Word of God over you. And you'll be surprised at going, wow, things begin to change. And it's because of one thing. You begin to declare, Lord, I'm trusting you more than I trust myself. Let me pray for you as we go. And I want to bless you. Father God, creator of the universe, you've commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That Lord, and in so doing, Lord, that as we place your name on them, you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.